Hi there, this is Heather. And I'm Bryn. And we're pharmacists out of the box. And today we have an amazing, uh, amazingly interesting guest. We're so happy to bring her to you. I think you're gonna really enjoy what she has to share with you. I think it's really important that we all kind of listen to her. Her name is Patty Today Allen. And I know Patty because we worked together at the University of Florida for a little while. And so I got to know her but I didn't get to know enough about her. And now that I've kind of learned more, it's, she's really interesting. So she got her bachelor's degree at um, the University of South Florida. We'll forgive her for that. And <laughs> uh, <laughs> she got her doctor of pharmacy though, and her master's, her MBA at, at the University of Florida. And then since then, she also has been, she's board certified in, is it ambulatory care? Yes, ambulatory and care and the geriatric certification. That's right. Mm -hmm. So we'll, maybe get her to share more about that as well. But thank you, Patty. Anything else yeah. you want to share, Bryn, about Patty? I found it funny on, so Welldyne, where she works, um, when you go on their LinkedIn page, it has, I was like, oh my goodness, that's my friend Allison. So I messaged her because we graduated together. I'm like, is it your twin or you? Like, where are you right now? And she laughed. She's like, yes, that's me. Apparently, I think you gave her her flu shot last year. I did, yep, yep. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Small world people. This is what we teach our students. Like pharmacy is a small world. <laughs> yes, it's very, very small. Our, um, I, I'm at Weldine RX, which is a PBM, and um, we uh, we had this kind of initiative where they took a bunch of pictures of all the employees of both our uh, Florida office and our Colorado office to use that for our website. And so you'll see on there all those pictures. They're not fake actors. <laughs> those are our employees. Um, you know, from pharmacists to member services to finance, accounting, you know, all of the different departments, you know, kind of represented on our website there. So that's very neat. I kind of like that perspective that a company is using their own staff and who they are to represent them. That's wonderful. So how did you even get interested? Because I saw you also had CVS or I'm sorry, a past like community pharmacy type mm -hmm. experience for years. Yeah, so I started off in uh, community pharmacy. I was very passionate about, I am still passionate about community pharmacy, um, but I, I worked at, a, at, at CVS at a retail pharmacy for about 10 years. Um, what was great for me is that I was at the same store for all of those 10 years. And it was a store where I was an intern there, then I was the grad intern, the staff, and then I was the, the pharmacy manager. Um, and it was it was a great experience. I value everything I learned while I was there. I felt like one of the one of the skills you really learn in community pharmacy is how to quickly problem solve because you have you have to be on your toes all the time because you never know what you're going to get. You never know what kind of questions you're going to get, or also what kind of issues you may have to deal with. And so, um, I you know I value that time. Um, but then it, it got to a point where it was no longer uh, conducive to my happiness. Um, as many other community chains, there's been a lot more focus on metrics, and sometimes I called them mud, made up drama. So metrics that maybe don't really have a lot of value, right? So I'm, I'm a results-driven person. I like hitting metrics, but when it's a metric that doesn't mean anything or doesn't really, I can't see the correlation between that and improving patient care, or even that and improving you know, financial metrics, then I don't understand why um, I was always failing, even though I I'm not saying I'm perfect, but I shouldn't be failing every single day all the time in all of my metrics. Um, and so I chose to uh, leave that as a full-time position. Um, and then I just still kind of floated. And I was, uh, as with Heather, I was working at uh, UF as a regional coordinator. So I was doing that while I was also full-time at, um, at the community pharmacy. And so I've always loved students. I've always loved teaching. I've always loved um, 
training and, and I, I love training other students and, and, and really providing that kind of mentorship um, because they also teach me, right? They keep me on my toes. Yeah. They keep me up to date and I have to make sure that I know what's going on, you know, currently and stay up to date so that, you know, I don't sound like an idiot when I'm talking, <laughs> you know, to the students. So, um, so I've always kind of had a little, like a little foot in academia, um, which I, I really enjoy. But after I left there, I, I actually went and did a site visit at Wild Dynarx. It was one of our sites where uh, students were doing a rotation there. And that's kind of, I didn't know anything about managed care. I, I almost say that I stumbled into managed care because I didn't even know that existed, right? That that was a place for pharmacists to go, that there were so many different areas to work within managed care that a pharmacist can really use their clinical skills, um, even though you may not always be talking to a patient. And so I, um, that's how I met my current boss is by doing that site visit, um, you know, and then it's, it's almost like networking, right? So then it's like, hey, we have a position. Would you be interested? And it just kind of started from there. Then I was the queen of part-time. I did, uh, I was part-time at WellVenerX, <laughs> part-time at CVS, and then part-time doing the UF um, regional coordinator uh, position. And then my uh, WellVenerX uh, had a, had a large increase in member count for one of their larger clients. And so they were able to then justify bringing me on full time. And when the way I started in managed care was in prior authorization. So I was in the prior authorization department doing the clinical reviews, um, assisting with developing the criteria for the drugs that would be coming to market or updating the prior authorization criteria. And then we would also um, work on developing, you know, any of the newsletters that would be going out. We also did some kind of claim review. We called them MTM light, but it wasn't really MTM. I, I, not like we think about it as a Medicare. But this, this is all uh, self-insured groups, commercial plans, no Medicare. And so what we would do is we would do a claim review for, you know, diabetes. We can identify that based on drugs and then make recommendations. Hey, hey, doc, did you know your you know, patient uh, doesn't have a statin or recommend, you know, review to see if maybe a statin is appropriate and kind of try to close some of those gaps in care. So I did that. And then I became manager of clinical operations. So then I ran the prior authorization department. The prior authorization department is made up of, of technicians and pharmacists um, that help review all the clinical kind of criteria. And then from there, I... Um, was promoted and I uh, transitioned into a different role, which is what I'm currently doing um, as Director of Outcomes Research. And so with direct, as Director of Outcomes Research, I do a lot more than just outcomes research. Um, so I, in, in that position, I, I started a residency program at my organization. So I started a managed care residency. I um, also, I have pharmacy analysts, and so we build reports to try and identify prescribing and utilization patterns of drugs. I write the drug trend report, where I look across our entire book of business, identify the top therapeutic categories, identify what drugs are shifting within those categories, and then try and explain why those things may be happening. Was there changing guidelines? Is a drug falling out of favor because of side effects, et cetera? Um, I also do um, I review claims data for current clients and potential clients and trying to identify where there may be some mismanagement or where they're letting, um, you know, drugs that may not be appropriate go through or drugs that are, you know, hyperinflationary that, you know, had they been with us, they wouldn't have had that, those drugs adjudicated because we would have blocked them. So um, it's really uh, interesting because I'm still using a lot of my clinical stuff, even though I don't really talk to patients, you know, as part of my position. And so one of the things about managed care that I think um, students 
assume is that if you're in managed care, then that means you don't want to talk to patients. And that may be true, but then there are other positions within managed care. So within specialty pharmacy, you're talking to patients all the time. We have a diabetes and a respiratory program where we have um, our, like our diabetes specialists and our respiratory specialists. They talk to patients all the time. They're part of that kind of case management. So even though they're in an office, um, they're still kind of interacting and talking to patients on the phone, doing counseling, doing a video chat with them um, if they want that or doing it on the phone. So uh, managed care is not just you're in an office, you know, squinting and, and typing away, although sometimes that is me <laughs> where I, I'm doing that. But um, it's, it's, a lot, it's a lot more than what you think. And, you know, they're like, but you don't use your clinical skills. And I say, I use my clinical skills all the time, you know, because I have to know all the clinical stuff in order to come up with recommendations or to develop a program or to identify where are some potential opportunities to, to help bend the cost curve. And so if you don't have that clinical knowledge, then then, then you're still using that all. That's why I still keep up on my board certifications. I need those things um, in order for me to really be kind of ahead, you know, ahead of the game and to stay current. Wow, that is a ton of hats that you wear. That is amazing. How do you stay structured? Or are there certain apps or tools that you have to use in your life? I mean, that is a lot of stuff to maintain. I'm like blown away. Yeah, I mean, and, and that's just what I do with Weldine RX, right? Right. <laughs> right. And so um, I also recently started, um, uh, I, I, I mean, Aspen RX Health is this uh, organization, it's a startup where they're, um, uh, it's almost like Uber, right, for pharmacists, where you, it's based on what you want to do, but you can counsel patients and do the CMRs for uh, Medicare patients. And you follow all the rules for Medicare, but you, as a pharmacist, you get paid, you know, when you complete it, you get paid your $40. And so you're, 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 the pharmacy doesn't get it. It's you get that, that money. So I, that's my, that's how I've been able to kind of talk to patients again, because through that, it allows me to kind of have some of that patient interaction and talking to patients and, and, and counseling them and trying to identify any issues that they're having. Um, but as far as how I kind of organize my life, that's a great question. Everybody asks me that and I don't quite have an answer other than if I didn't have my calendar, if, if, if it's not in the calendar, it doesn't happen. Right. And so I have, I have, but I do have a work calendar because there's so many meetings or things that happen within my work calendar. And then I also have a shared calendar with my husband on Google where we have it on the phone. And if it's not in that calendar, it just doesn't happen or, you know, something doesn't, doesn't work. So basically it's the calendar. It's my, my thing. So it's Google and then a work version of that calendar. Yeah. The work on outlook, just because outlook. I have it all linked, I'll, I'll link to that. But, um, with, uh, but just in a day to day, I use OneNote a lot uh, for my work. Um, and so I have different notebooks and I have, so I'd like to do my to-do list. When I have a meeting, I always take notes in a meeting and I then just take it in OneNote and then I email everybody directly from OneNote, the notes from the meeting, what are our takeaways, who's gonna, what are the follow-up items? So it makes it much more convenient instead of having to then go back to your desk and then trying to remember what did we talk about at the meeting, who's gonna do what? And so I like to kind of have that within, um, you know, within, it's, it's in an email somewhere and it's usually you can find, you know, cause I have like a folder for all my OneNotes, that way I can go back and look at that. So when, I, when it sends it and it comes into my inbox, it automatically goes to a box, it doesn't clutter on my other email. And then when do you fit in the Aspen? Is it like one of those like, Oh, I've got a downtime between this meeting or is it? No, I don't typically do it during the, during the, during the day. Cause I'm usually just 
during the workday, I'm usually, you know, book solid, whether I have a meeting or I have to have a deliverable that I need to get done, or I have to do an analysis. And then I always, you know, you try to schedule in emergency time because there's always sometimes a fire or, hey, can you please look at this? I need some help with this or, or whatnot. And so I typically only do Aspen usually in the evenings or on the weekends. And so I'll, you know, a lot about an hour, an hour and a half of time where, you know, I, if that's my block of time. And if I can make a call and connect with someone, that's when I do it. And if not, then it just doesn't happen. I'll do it another time. I really love um, what you I don't think a lot of, I think I've been in managed care and, you know, when you're in the managed care world, it just seems kind of natural. But I, I think as a pharmacist, I didn't really understand the prior authorization world, you know, we all just kind of thought, oh, the patient's complaining because they tried to get that covered and the the, poor, the Mino insurance company said no. Right. And right. so since I've been in the managed care world, what I was always just blown away by is what you're saying that in, in the prior authorization world, I think this is important for all the other pharmacists out there that aren't in managed care. When you have patients, when I have patients that I kind of guide through that process of like, maybe you talk to your doctor about getting that covered because they're like, this is the only thing that works. Um, and doing a prior authorization, I always let the patient know as well that who is making that decision with the insurance company is not just somebody who's just a business person that in managed care, when they go through that prior authorization process, that is actually a pharmacist, a very knowledgeable pharmacist looking at all of the data out there, um, making, helping make that decision. So I feel confident. I always share that with the patients. You know, I think I didn't do that before because I had no idea who was in that process. So I think that's right. important that you share that. So when, when, when criteria is developed, it's, it's based. So at our organization and in many others are more modeled this way, it's a group of clinicians. So it's usually a group of pharmacists or in some other organizations or maybe nurse case managers or medical directors or, or doctors. And so you, um, you know, it comes to a consensus you present, here's what I propose as the criteria. And then once that internal committee kind of approves it and says, yes, that makes sense. Um, at our organization, we still then present to an independent P&T committee made up of physicians and two pharmacists, and they say, yes, that makes sense, that is reasonable, that before you would go to this drug, you would have, you should try and fail this other drug. So for example, um, so we, we actually have chosen to prior off all GLP-1s in diabetes. Uh, the main reason is that there's a lot of misuse about that. Um, you'd be surprised how many docs want to prescribe that for pre-diabetes or just for weight loss. And so when, when we have our clients who a lot of our clients are self-insured groups, that's not an insurance. That's, you know, this county government is paying for this prescription drug for their em employees or their members. And they don't want to cover obesity treatment or the, that's just not a covered benefit. But if a doctor is writing it for Victosa, then, you know, you wouldn't know that unless they had to provide the diagnosis code. And so, you know, we, we, we probably deny, I think our denial rate on, on GLP-1s in general is about 20, 25%. So there's a lot of inappropriate use potentially. And those mm -hmm. drugs are $700 or so less price a month. That's a mm -hmm. lot of money. Um, that may not be appropriate or they go straight to that without ever trying metformin. Right. And so, you know, there's, I mean, the guidelines specifically state metformin, there's so much data on metformin, there's no reason why someone shouldn't at least try metformin. Right. Um, and so this criteria is developed, you know, from a clinical perspective, cost is not involved in the prior authorization criteria from a clinical perspective. Well, and that's the other thing I loved about managed care once you got into it, because again, I think there's this vision of, oh, insurance companies or managed care, all they care about is money for themselves. And I really know that that's not true, that, you know, the reason you have a formulary, the reason you guys have a P&T committee 
is to make sure money is saved overall, and then that includes the patient's copay or the patient's premium, right, and copays. And um, so I, I I love how managed care kind of gets you away from that little pharmacy where you're only hearing, you know, the the patient's complaints or what you're only getting such a snippet of information. Where when you get in managed care, you pull back and you get the big picture of like what is coming down from government and the guidelines, like what is the movement of pharmacy in a big picture? And then how do we take you guys take that information and then make it usable down to the patient level? So I love it. And that it gets you from way up there down to the patient level. You get all of that in there. I love that. Yeah. I, I, I really enjoy managed care because you're kind of, um, like you said, you're looking at it from a 10,000 foot view, right? Like you see all these other kind of, uh, uh, things that interact in order to, you know, to reach to what's actually happening at the pharmacy. But I value my time in community pharmacy yeah. because I know this decision that is made here, we're going to put a quantity limit on this drug. I know what that's going to be. I know the conversation that someone is either a pharmacist or a technician is going to have with the patient at the pharmacy. So how do I ensure that the message is the clearest and the concisest it could be to relay that same, you know, information so that it doesn't warrant a phone call that it's going to answer the same question. Right. That is so interesting. Now, when you did your MBA, did you do that at the same time as yeah. your PharmD? Yes. Yeah, so I did. I went back to school. So what I did was, so I, I felt like I was really good clinically covered, right? So I felt, so I did kind of a stock where I looked at, at you know, what are my, you know, what are, what, from a professional kind of development. So I want, I always want, it's almost like a roadmap or a strategy. Like, what do I want to do? What do I want to accomplish in the next year or two years or whatnot? What is it that, what is it that I have, I felt that I, you know, had really good grasp on? What is something I needed to learn? So sometimes, it, you know, it was, you know what, I want to get this board certification in ambulatory care, because I think that's going to be a very, you know, strategic move down the road. It's going to help me set apart from other, you know, providers. Same thing with uh, my geriatric certification. The reason I chose that is, really also because of stuff I was learning in my MBA, you know, the largest growing patient population are the baby boomers. And so those are going to be geriatric pharmacies. So where's there going to be such a need for pharmacists? It's really going to be in the geriatric population. And so that's why I got my geriatric. Plus it was also kind of an extension of ambulatory care. So uh, there is a lot of overlap between those two. Um, so that's what I found uh, to be kind of from a, you know, thinking about five, 10 years down the road, you know, what do I want to do with my career, where I want to go, what would be nice to have, that's why I chose that. But by the same token, I felt like I was pretty good clinically, but I, I wanted to go back. I'm like, you know, I, I don't really know financial stuff. I don't really understand, you know, P&L or profit and loss statements. And, and I have a general understanding, but I don't really know. So um, that's, you know, at first I thought I might be going back and just getting a master's in like pharmacoeconomics or something like that, because I did find that interesting. But then I realized, you know, I think it'd be better for me to go back and just get my MBA and have a much broader understanding of just uh, the business world um, from, you know, negotiations to uh, marketing to understanding value propositions, you know, et cetera. And so I went back and got my MBA while I was in while I was working. And I really think that's a great idea to go back and get an MBA while you're already working because you're able to then do and apply the things you're learning in class to your job. And so, um, which I think is a benefit than some students who maybe do it before they actually enter the workforce. You know, it's not that it's bad, it's just I think I have more, it was more valuable to me to be able to really apply those things. Um, and also when you're in class, 
and they're teaching about something, you can say, oh my gosh, I remember this one time <laughs> where at my job and had this happen, you know, this would have been different or this is why that happened. Whereas if you don't have that work experience, you're not, it's much harder to try to contribute to that conversation about examples of where you may have seen this somewhere else. That is so true. I think that's even true with like going through pharmacy school, like maintaining a technician intern type role was yeah. very helpful. So well, I, I did that too. Yeah. When I was going through pharmacy school, that's, so I was still working at that store. And so I, I really love that because I, at least I knew what some of those drugs were and I didn't have, you know, I was like, well, I remember Advair and I remember Advair as an inhaler. So I know that's what that is. And I know it's usually twice a day. So maybe, you know, I'm sure this is what the answer is. So it was helpful for me at my, uh, for my career to, to work, but I've always been someone who likes to stay busy. And so, um, if I don't have things to do, I am much less productive than if I have a slew of things to do. Does that make sense? Yeah. Like, so if I, yeah, so I, I'd like keeping busy and, and, and I'm never really bored. So. Well, and I love, I love, I mean, you're such a role model, Patty, because you have a family. How many children do you have? I just have one. Just my one, one that's family. enough. Yeah. <laughs> my one, my first one was huge. She was like five. <laughs> but you have a family and yet, you know, you're not sitting at home right now. You're off somewhere working. Uh-huh. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and you're able to juggle that, a job where there's a little bit of travel. And you also, I love, because I think there are a lot of pharmacists that struggle with, should I get that certification? Should I do that? There's a lot out there that we can do. Or, um, But I think, I love the way you direct our audience that you, you were thinking about what is ahead. I love how you're like, okay, how can this in the future help me? Not today maybe, but how can I look at the bigger picture and like, oh, the MBA, oh, the geriatrics. So I think that's really yeah. good for our audience too. Cause I think a lot of them struggle with what do I get? There's so many options. You know? so. Right. Right. But it's gotta be something too, that you're very interested in and that you're passionate about. Right, so, right. you know, I, I am not a critical care or hospital pharmacist because when I went through rotations and to this day, I'm just not a fan. Like it doesn't strike interest in me. And, and I want nothing to do with the TPN, you know, God love everybody loves does. I just have no desire to ever figure that out again. And so um, it's important to do what you're interested in um, because if not, then it's just not, you're just not going to, you're not going to like it. Very true. What do you do for self-care? Because it's a busy life. Do you have a rigorous self-care? Um, I, I don't know that it's a rigorous self-care. So what I do is I, I take a I take adult ballet classes and jazz classes, and uh, and it's great because we also have like we have like recitals at the end, right? Right, <laughs> my little pirouette. So we do recitals at the end, um, and it's through uh, I do it at Patel Conservatory, which is. Um, part of the uh, Performing Arts Center in Tampa. And so they have adult beginning ballet and intermediate ballet. And I actually started doing that in my, I've never been a dancer. I started doing this in my mid thirties because I was like, I've always wanted to try ballet. Why not? And uh, it was a great, um, it's, it's just, it's a great, uh, it's like something, it's a challenge that has nothing to do with my job or my career. And it's just a challenge for me. And I'm not competing against anybody else, I'm competing against myself. And so I keep getting better every, you know, every time I get to go. And, and I go at least once or twice a week um, to those classes and they're in the evening. So it's very, um, uh, uh, you know, doable, you know, so I have a great, my husband is a very supportive spouse and, you know, we're able to, to kind of really work together in order to, to make sure that we're all still fulfilled and, 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 and like you said, practice that self-care. So we, I do that. But then as a family, we all, we go to Disney a lot. Like we have annual passes and we go like every at least once a month, sometimes twice a month. My husband works every other weekend. And so we're very, 
protective of our weekends together. And so, you know, we tend to, what we love to do is to go um, to uh, Disney World. And so we love staying on the, at the different resorts and we bop around and we like going to all the different parks. And, and I know everyone's like, oh, but it's so crowded. I'm like, it's okay. We got our three fast passes. We have it down to a science. We hang out at the <laughs> pool in the morning. Then we go hang out in the afternoon just for our fast passes. And then we go back and it's, and it's a great time every time. So do you sleep? I do. I do. I, um, I'm trying to get more sleep though, because I typically only sleep between six and seven hours a night. Um, but, but that's usually during the school year. So in the summer, my daughter doesn't have to go to school. You know, she doesn't have to get up as early. So I get an extra hour of sleep in the summer. So I really love the summer because I get about an extra hour of sleep. <laughs> yeah. That is awesome. Well, thank you, Patty. I think this is really interesting. You know, and I think, you know, a lot of us in the pharmacy world don't always get a view from inside managed care. And we kind of have our perspectives that we throw out there based on just little experiences that we have through different eyes. So I really appreciate it. I think this is hugely valuable. And I do know there's a lot of students that are starting to get more interested in managed care. And I know there's a couple of organizations now, or at least one, I know of AMCP has a group for the right. students on campus. So I think there is a movement to kind of get more information out to younger pharmacists about managing. Yes. And the, oh, I was gonna ask you one final question. I know we gotta wrap up. Uh, the residency you created, is it accredited yet? No, no. So what you'll find is in managed care, most residencies are not accredited. So if you go to the ASHP site, there's like three or four managed care residencies in all of the United States. And I think the only one currently accredited in Florida is at WellCare. Although I, I think maybe Health First may have gotten back to getting accredited. But you'll find that most of them are unaccredited. Um, that's just kind of what the status quo is. And so you'll, you'll have to, if you go to the AMC website, they list all the accredited and non-accredited. But as I create my, uh, my residency, I follow the guidebook. So it's exactly like an accredited residency. I just... Um, we just I have the ability to kind of tailor it yeah. to what a, you know what the resident is really more interested in. Because and I love that. I want to repeat that. I want to pre repeat what you said because students really look at accredited and accredited has a ton of value. We all know the benefits. There's extra right. benefits for having it accredited. Um, but for managed care, and that includes MTM, so there's medication therapy management residencies. I think there might even be specialty pharmacy residencies. Yes, there are. A lot of those are not accredited, and it's exactly for what you said. And I agree. We did the same thing at UF. We followed the accreditation process, like mm -hmm. just the activities and kind of the format, I guess I would say. So All that the we still felt like we were giving it that quality stamp. But yet, like you said, it allows us just to, to take that student. And if that student really wants to focus more so on the prior authorization, not that that would happen, but they're like, oh man, I love prior authorizations, that we can tailor, it gives you the freedom to tailor that to that specific right. student or kind of open up the, the experience. Right. Right. And I mean, in managed care, it's all about networking, honestly, right? It's, it's a lot about um, understanding, you know, having experience in some of these organizations. So to get your foot in the door somewhere else, if you've done a residency, that's, that's why. So some people, it's why you want to do a residency. Do you want to do a residency so that you can um, sit for board certification earlier? Is it because you want to go work at a VA system? Because I'm pretty sure VAs, they don't care. They, you need to have an accredited residency. So it just depends on what is it that your career goals are. If your career goal is to get into managed care, to be a clinical account manager with clients, to be uh, a prior authorization pharmacist, to do um, you know, case management within the disease state, those are more like you have to know someone else or have to have had some experience in order to kind of get your foot in the door. One more question. Okay, one more question. Um, um, and so that takes me to somewhere else that I think we need to highlight as well 
what is the opportunity for growth like in managed care? Like so do you that's, pick up out or that's one of the my what's one of the reasons I love managed care is so that was another so within like community pharmacy, so there's there wasn't much room for growth, right? You hit the pharmacy manager, that was pretty much it. Like it was much more difficult to get into a district position or a pharmacy supervisor position, and that you're really just managing people. There wasn't really anything clinical associated with it. Within managed care, uh, because you're kind of in a corporate environment usually, there is a lot of different growth. There's lots of different departments, and there's lots of different pathways you can go. And you do go up. You know, there's so I'm at a director level. Then there would be, you know, assist, uh, uh, you know, like an associate VP and assistant VP, and then VPs, and then senior VPs, and there's all these other. But even below that, there's associate director. There would be senior managers, senior directors. There's lots of different levels. Um, that you are managing people, but then also responsible for projects or responsible for business units or responsible for budgets and uh, clinical stuff. And so depending on where you're going, and then the, all of those managed care kind of things are, are really being applied in health systems. So if you really wanna work in a health system, having some managed care background is beneficial as they are developing their own um, you know, ways that they're trying to bend the cost curve as, as more health systems take on risk and, and have different types of payment structures. And it sounds like yeah. it is like the, the place to look for how to reach a managed care. Like, what would you suggest? Yeah, yeah. I mean, they're, they're probably like the number one kind of organization that I would say for, for managed care. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm also a member of APHA and ASHP. So those are all good organizations. ASHP recently started a specialty pharmacy kind of division. And so specialty is typically considered part of managed care. So if you're interested in specialty pharmacy, um, that would be another kind of good organization that has some exposure. But their specialty pharmacy is mostly focused on specialty pharmacy and health systems, which is kind of a new thing that's happening um, over the last few years and it will continue to grow. And then, because uh, usually specialty pharmacies are from a, from a payer perspective, not necessarily a health system perspective. And um, but yeah, but AMCP is, is going to be kind of your gold standard. I mean, the uh, and there's lots of different uh, areas within AMCP. It's not just PBMs. There's also health plans, um, uh, pharmas there as well, if you're interested on that side of, of managed care, being a liaison, you know, speaking to managed markets. And there's so many different things that you could do. <laughs> so I, I know we had um, June 26th, you have a special webinar coming up and kind of utilizing technology to improve yeah. healthcare. Yeah, so we're, uh, we're doing a webinar with managed healthcare executives. So it's my boss and I, and we're talking about, so we have a product where we are able to, uh, it's like a digital member engagement tool. And so we're able to send text messages to patients once they opt in, if we're not just, you know, blasting everybody. So if a member opts in, then we can send them text messages. So we'll say, hey, you're newly diagnosed. We see you, you might be a newly diagnosed diabetic. Would you like to receive weekly text messages letting you know about your disease state so that the patients are able to get digestible information. So we send them, the, and it says, here's a link to the AADE self-care about nutrition. And here's the one about exercise. And so what it is, it's just, a, it's another tool. It's another way to consume media by a patient where it's not just, you know, all this information all at once where they become overwhelmed at the doctor's office. It's Everybody has a cell phone. 92% of Americans have a cell phone and they keep it on and close by. And so you get a text message you might click on it and you might read it on your phone. And then the next week you get another one. So it's in this small digestible kind of amounts of data that, that is, that is, that is going to help you. And then there's also a way, if you'd like to talk to a pharmacist, click here. And so it directly connects to our, our, you know, 
are, are, are well-managed, uh, you know, clinical, clinical pharmacists on the phone line. But then there's also other opportunities for that. It could also be, um, you know, we use it right now a lot in our specialty pharmacy. So, hey, here, you're newly diagnosed with uh, rheumatoid arthritis. Here's this information. Oh, you're newly on Humira. Would you, here's a link to a YouTube video on how to give yourself an injection. If you have any other questions, you can call us or, hey, you can click here and you can connect to our uh, web or, you know, our video link to talk to a pharmacist if you have any questions after you've seen the video or whatnot. And so it's just a different way to communicate with patients um, that some patients are going to, that, that are opting in or using to refill or to do whatever. Um, and so we're very <coughs> excited about that. <laughs> I think we're one of the, there's only a few PBMs that are actually doing that. So we're very excited about that and the great results and patients really like it. So we've done some satisfaction surveys, patients, you know, our net promoter score is very high. We, when we do the word cloud on, you know, in your own words, what do you want to say about the, this, you know, our well connect and they're like, the biggest word is ease, easy, great. You know, so it's a lot of, uh, it's a, so it's a great tool to have. And so we're very excited on, on what else we can do with that tool. That's exciting. Way to go. Developing something different and unique. Right. And that's something, so I need that clinical stuff because I need to know how to do the clinical messaging, right? So I, I lead the team that is putting together the WellConnect messages and what are going to be our patient journeys and what are we going to say in each of these journeys and how do you phrase it so that it's easy to understand, um, but still is delivering that information. So that's awesome. I, I like it. I like it. So much yeah. interesting, so many interesting things. Uh, gosh, we could just talk forever. <laughs> right, 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 but I guess we got to wrap it up. I know, uh, Patty, you're busy and you've definitely got other things to do. So we will definitely, for our audience, put some information, uh, contact information for Patty if you want to learn more or any students are interested in residency info or other, even getting into the managed care world. Uh, we'll definitely leave some information below. Yeah, yeah, definitely. All right, thanks, ladies. Thank, Thank you, you Patty. This is Brid and Heather. We're pharmacists out of the box. <laughs> Have a great week. See Bye. you guys next time. Bye-bye.